Step into the rhythm of the groove, you can't lose it. Hi, this is Ross Baton here with Roleplaying Public Radio. This is episode 58, The Games of Tomorrow. And of course, with me, as always, is Tom. Your Tom vo- Church. Your voice is as the bleeding of a goat, Ross. Uh, you should say it's as sweet as a dulcimer, you know, or something like that. Too. I'm sorry, I don't lie. Oh, I see. Well, it's actually... No, sh- you kind of do. My yeah. ears are bleeding. No, spiritually. Right. You bleeding. see, oh well, uh huh. Right, Tom. Well, thanks. thanks. It's uh, non. It's non physical damage, Ross. Anyways, uh, you know we're uh, we're still doing this monthly schedule instead of bi weekly, and we're we'll try and pick it up. But we got bi-monthly, a lot going on. Ross, say. No, we we did you, one last month. I know, but you just said you said bi weekly. Yeah, we that's used a, to do well weekly. We, that yeah, well up until you know you were like. Ah! Time and I'm doing those things. Hey, 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 you're the ones that scheduled this crap, not me. Yeah, I know. You call me like, Tom, we need to do an episode. Yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I so, like how I'm responsible for Yes, Ross, everything. you are responsible. You do most of the work on this podcast, do you not? So that's because Therefore, I do most of the work, work, I should do more of the work. You, you can't. No, it's if you want to, it. like, it's your job to schedule that shit. <laughs> I see. Tom. I can't be expected to like Ross. Is it time to do an episode? Why not? Because I work. I work too. I'm working on Zombies of the World. I'm working part time. I work. I work too, baby. Not at a, not at a place where you have to go every day. No, not at a manual labor job. No, I mean God no. But you know, <laughs> my my skin is a delicate flower. <laughs> oh my God, we're just uh, off topic. This is what happens when we don't do it on a biweekly basis. But anyways, oh my we God, lo- you're holding a pen and you're bruising. I know, uh, but we are here for you, the RPPR listeners. We are. I uh, got a great episode this uh, this time. We uh, we're going to be talking about science fiction gaming. Uh, yeah, we've already the- covered horror. We've covered action. Yeah, well, we've uh, recently been getting into Eclipse Phase, the science fiction uh, slash horror game from uh, Posthuman Studios, and it is a hard science fiction game, and it is fucking great. And uh, we've uh, been very enthusiastic I, about yeah, that. It's maybe let me make a character I freaking love. It's yeah. just. Uh, yeah, I made a character too, a crazy psychic person. Um, and it is a great game and uh, Caleb's running a campaign of it. So you actual play fans will, uh, be looking forward to those as soon as I, you know, we get <laughs> through some more of the backlog. I know I'm a horrible monster. We're still not even done with new world. I know even, well, we only got a few left. Uh, actually for those of you, the new world campaign, we are in the last few episodes. I think there's, uh, three left. Uh, we shit's winding down. It is. I'll be posting the new one soon and uh, there'll only be a few uh, after that so yeah great stuff um so yeah uh, in other news uh another podcast project that i've been working on the unspeakable oath i know i mentioned this in the last episode but the first episode of the podcast is online uh go to unspeakableoath.com uh we'll ha- there, there'll be a link there there's also a link here in our show notes uh it's two and a half hours long of me shane ivy torrin atkinson uh the darkest of the hillside thickets uh the the call cthulhu themed uh rock band and uh all talking to uh uh, john scott hines one of the uh authors of delta green about game design call cthulhu gaming the one time he uh got an army of world war one veterans in a call cthulhu game to storm the uh cultist compound how that turned out so, uh, great, great stuff. And so, uh, Ross, were you, uh, excited while you were there? 
Uh, well, it was a Skype conference call, so uh, I wasn't. Oh, back. so you, but did you? Were you getting some of the aura through the Skype? Yes, the greatness of the the the, the game. Their oeuvre. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, it's a it's a great listen. Uh, we'll have more. In fact, we're going to be doing some Delta Green call uh, uh, actual plays uh, through uh, the Unspeakable Oath. Some of the stuff we've recorded for the RPPR crew. Some of the things I've done at Gen Con uh, and other conventions. So uh, keep an eye out yeah. for all that. And uh, also, I have the uh, you know the uh, Mytel, the uh, author of, of the fanfic I alluded to last year last time. Yeah, she actually inspired me to try my hand at my own. Oh. Yeah, so I'm writing my own thing on fanfic.net now, setting her, the, setting her continuity. So, uh, oh, so you are not, you, you decided you are going to promote yourself. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm promoting myself. What the hell? Yeah, self-promotion. Yeah, when we were before Pour the yourself sh- out there, Tom. Before the show, we were, uh, before the show, we were talking about it, and uh, I thought maybe I won't do this. Like, nah, fuck it. I'm promoting myself. That's a good, that's some good whoring there, Tom. Yeah. You're a good But whore. we're not going to link to it. You're gonna have to oh, find it. God. Oh, wait, look. Oh. oh, I see how it is. Well, yeah. it should be easy to find. I called the story Divine Fire. Oh, I see how it is, Tom. You know, that's basically gonna be the first comment on this episode. It's like, go here. Probably so, I guess. Yeah. So what you think we I should do it just to avoid the that first comment, like, <laughs> go your D. Uh, As well, I'm sure you were probably thinking. I'm not going to link to it. I'm not, I'm going to respect your wishes. We'll see what the fans have to say about it. So the listeners out there, you. Um, well, since so I can't directly talk to the listeners right now. Why not? Well, they're not here. No. They're out in the world. <laughs> they are. They listen to RPPR. There's a great thread on our forums about where do you listen to RPPR? I'll tell you what. If enough people want to, I'll, like, I'll, po- I'll link to it on the forums. Ooh, that's a good. Yeah, go ahead and do that. Do that. Uh, yeah. I dare you. Anyways, oh, you uh, I was going to say about the other thread, uh, where, yeah, people listen to our show on a boat, uh, 2 a.m., you know, doing Anchor Watch off the coast. Uh, then there somebody who's doing, I was recovering from surgery, and I was doped up on morphine, and I listened to RPPR. Oh, the best time to listen to RPPR. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, wow, that is uh, like, pretty fucking like, great. There are snakes crawling out of my skin, and I listen to the podcast. <laughs> Something like that. Um... Yeah, so uh, anyways, one last bit of news. Uh, Zombies of the world. I know I keep shamelessly whoring that because I'm a master. Shameless self-promotion. So I, I'm just starting to whore myself yeah, exactly. out. Exactly. But I learned from a it, veteran. The books are coming here. They are going to be in stock this month. Uh, they were printed in Singapore, shipped over to L.A., then trucked over to St. Louis, and then here to Springfield. And that, Well, they will be here in Springfield within a week or so. So if you pre-ordered, this is your last chance to pre-order, uh, get a free poster with it. Uh, go ahead and do that. And, yeah, I will um, be mailing those out as soon as I get them, and then we'll have it on Amazon. It's already available for pre-order on Amazon, although I don't know why you pre-ordered it. But you can buy it on Amazon as soon as it's out. And, uh yeah, it'll be great. And I'll have ebook versions of it, and it'll be just fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, ebooks. And before I get off this topic, I just want to go ahead and thank uh, Mytel again. Who? The author. Oh, okay. I, I, uh, I only know her by her name. Uh, for her and I'm not even sure name. I'm, and I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing it right. Probably not. It's M-Y-E-T-E-L. I, I don't know. But uh, I was, you know, I don't even know this is a shout-out again, but do it. Thank you very much for the inspiration. Seriously, I haven't just written fiction for fiction's sake since I since high school. Oh, 
So it's been about because I criticized that last story. I critiqued your last. Story. No, 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 no. I'm actually that one. That I, I quite, wasn't the one that crushed your dreams to write fiction. No, I just kind of oh. lost interest. No, okay. no, I no, I Ross. If you hadn't done that, I would be very disappointed in you. Uh, kind of like to think that ah, notch on my belt has killed one. I crush dreams <laughs> <laughs> and then that's snort what, them. That's yes. what Ross because that's what Ross gets Ross off is snorting failed dreams. Exactly. Um, so anyway, uh, this is what happens when we do it on a month where we just save up all the crazy and we just unleash it right at the beginning. So, well, if uh, there's one commodity we have in abundance, it's crazy. Yep. Uh, anyway, so science fiction. Yeah, uh, science fiction. Science fiction. What does that mean to you, Ross? It is, well, according to Wikipedia, it's the literature of ideas. Uh, it's speculative fiction that writes about what possible technological and scientific innovations can do to us, how that would affect us and, you know, society and uh, that sort of thing. That's kind of a very traditional Mm -hmm. definition of science fiction. And there's a lot of others. Well, and it's kind of something you mentioned to me before. We haven't done a very much science fiction gaming at all. Right. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Up until eclipse phase, We'd only done maybe, you know, I, I put Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as a science fiction game on the actual play side. And really, that's about it. Like, there were some, like, one or two games of GURPS Transhuman Space, but that fell apart. And really, yeah, that, was like, that was like a two session game. Yeah, at most. And the rest of our games have been Dungeons and Dragons, you know, fantasy, Call of Cthulhu, horror, um, with, with yeah. more leaning towards fantasy than science fiction, obviously, depending on how you define it. But I know what you're, some of you are going to say. Wait a minute. You've done Star Wars before in your group. Star Wars isn't. Yeah, that's, that's but here's the problem. Yeah, as Ross to explain. Well, yeah, now. if you're looking at genre definitions, and you know, you be, you call it science fiction. Oh, it has spaceships. Blah blah. It's not really science fiction because it's basically fantasy with that's been skinned. I mean, you know, it in terms of uh, I'm looking at this as genre conventions and what genre it is. And Star Wars is fantasy. I mean, for one thing, the Jedi powers are obviously mystical. Magic. They're mystical. Yeah, the magic. They're not. Fuck. By the way, fuck you, midichlorians. Yeah. <laughs> Even with that, that's not really not something that people... No, I'm, I'm still... I just... I felt compelled to there's say There's no that. scientific principle on that that really applies to it. So, uh, and yeah, it, it it's fantasy. And if you argue with that, you're... you're I don't even know why you would argue with that. I mean, it's not an insult. It's just that Star Wars is fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, anyways, other and that's a problem with role playing games in science fiction. That's what the, the genesis of this was obviously Eclipse Phase and realizing there's not a whole lot of science fiction out there in gaming. You'd be like, what? What are you talking about? Well, I mean, like good science fiction, science fiction that seems relevant and is gaming of ideas, gaming about ideas. Yeah, because um, actually, I uh, just to, I would just today stop by Meta Games. I was actually flipping through the Firefly book. Yeah, and it's. I realized it, but you, know, you did mention it too. Firefly is a Western. Yeah, it's very consciously a Western. I mean, we like they put this sci-fi pastiche on it, this mm-hmm. skin on it, you know, this this decoration, this decor, um, this frosting. Keep going, Ross. I'm loving this frosting. language. Sci-fi frosting. That's that's what I'm going to stick to, like a cake. So a delicious scrumptious cake. Uh, yes, exactly. Um, but again, Firefly is a lot of things, but they don't really it, 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 it speaks more about western themes of freedom, independence, uh, the frontier, which can you be like, oh, that's science fiction. Well, yeah, yeah, I, 
I mean, there's some overlap, but but it's it, ma- it's mainly a western. Yeah, it's a western. I mean, you know, you have the, you have a fucking civil war in it, basically, essentially, uh, and you know, Confederates, space Confederates, basically, like ah, they took our freedom. They took our jabs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you have gunfights and you have fucking horses. I mean, really, they have horses in that thing. So, like, yeah, it's it's a western. And again, that's not an insult. That's just what it is. Um, it's not about, you know, great ideas or like how I, technology affects society. Um, it's really about Western it's themes. There. Yeah, it's more about who these people are, outcasts, independence, freedom, blah, 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 blah. Um, so thematically, it's it's not a science fiction game. Um, Star Trek. Star Trek, well, I, I have a well-oiled beef with Star Trek. <laughs> I've uh, never liked it. I've uh, the, I there's I'm not like a huge Trekkie I've or a Trekker or whatever you want to call it. Um, I've liked some parts of it and I've kind of ignored the parts I never got into. Um, so I'm not like the best authority. I mean, I like the Borg. The Borg are badass. So uh, yeah, but unfortunately, I've had they've been shoved down my throat so much by people that do love Star Trek. That's usually one of the first things they jump to. Like, how can you say it's not cool when they have that? Like. Uh, yo, wow, thank you for being the 400th person that has said that. <laughs> okay, ouch. And I'm the 401st is what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Um, but Star Trek isn't good science. It's soft sci-fi. It's not a hard sci-fi. Now, there's now. what do I mean by the differences? Do you know, Tom, or uh, hard versus soft sci-fi? I'm going to... I don't. I don't know if I can give you a direct answer, but perhaps I can also mention one of my other beefs to help explain it. Okay. I've never liked the Star Trek technology. Okay. Never liked it. It just... It's too convenient, and mm-hmm. it doesn't really reflect what it would do really do to people that had this kind of stuff. If right. you really had machines that could take ambient energy and molecules and reshape it into a cup of into a soda yeah. whenever you want for free, right? I, I'm I'm sorry that would that would be all I ever need, right? To live, this if that's, is true. If that's all I need, right? So. I don't get why they just and they just kind of they just brush it off like oh would you like some tea yeah no I'm I'm sorry I would be like it's like would you like some tea oh my god see it appear from nowhere well right but I mean that that part I can understand because again you know like Maslow's hierarchy of needs if you have the lower yes. needs fulfilled okay well here's my here's and I know there's a lot of critique of Maslow and I could get into the critiques of Maslow oh, please don't. But motivational theory is a complex field, and it says people are not just motivated by, like, do I have enough food, shelter, and entertainment? Well, yeah. another problem I have, I've noticed, yeah. is it seems to me that in Star Trek, the yeah. average human lifespan is still about 80 to 90 years old. Yeah. Despite all the, like, you know, they can do surgery without touching you. Yeah, yeah. That's, you see, that's the, the that's sort of the, the summary difference between, well, one of the differences between uh, uh, soft and hard science fiction, what I was bringing up earlier. Soft sci-fi is sci-fi that doesn't have any sort of logical consistency or rigor to actual scientific principles. Um, in Star Trek, the obvious, the, the biggest thing isn't even those two things. It's the techno babble mm-hmm. the idea that oh well if i can reverse the flux capacitator and induce well, actually, the there's actually a dilithi- so- there's actually a song based on that right yeah there's i'm sure there's probably more than one song uh it's, it's, i think it's called making shit up yeah exactly making shit up making shit up is such a crutch of star trek 
that it's soft science fiction. And the opposite of this is, of course, hard science fiction, where they say, all right, this is what is scientifically, technologically possible in this particular thing, and I'm going to stick to that for good or evil. There's no going to be no techno babble. Everything's going to be as logically consistent as possible and in tune with the latest in actual known scientific research and design. Um, for example, in Star Trek, the ships are kind of designed whatever you know but, like, like what would look cool yeah what would look cool but like and even in babylon 5 babylon 5 the main space station is what's called an o'neill cylinder and it's rotating all the it's time. rotating to generate gravity and that's you know one way they can explain why they're you know everything's not floating around well we rotate for gravity um so that's you know uh now i'm not saying babylon 5 is hard science fiction i actually not I don't know enough about Babylon 5 to say I used to watch the probably hell. I used to watch the hell out of it but that was a while ago yeah I was never a huge fan of that and I never I watched a few episodes but I was like eh um, but hard science fiction is not obviously very popular on television per se uh, but it's very popular in novels and you know other forms um, so Eclipse Phase is very much hard science fiction they actually try and uh, because they not only stick to what can be what is scientifically and technologically possible in the sense that someday it will be possible to do these things uh, but also they also look at realistically how would the, these technologies affect us they don't like have Star Trek well, like, well we have uh, a medical tricorder that can heal you by just waving it around your head or yeah. wherever the wound is but you still you're still going to live 100 years or less you know you're not going to live 300 years old but in uh, Eclipse Phase, they're like, we have great medical technology. In fact, we can put your mind in a new body because we know this shit so great, you know, so well. So uh, we fact, can... death's a minor we, inconvenience. Yeah, exactly. We can clone organs. We can make clones. It's a very common technology. Um, and they it, explore how that would affect society. That also, that virtual immortality thing is pretty nice. So yeah, You ever seen uh, the movie Gattaca? Yeah, exactly. Gattaca's hard science fiction because that focuses on one particular thing genetic engineering and how does that impact society that's a great example tom um I actually you're welcome so um so what does this have to do with role-playing games um again as we mentioned most of the popular are you know rpgs that we would consider science fiction are really either a different genre than what you you know fantasy western whatever um or even if they are they're soft science fiction or the other thing, they're they're just anachronistic. They're products of the age they were written in. Now, Cyberpunk twenty twenty comes to mind. Right, that's the big that, that was the top one. Now, uh, Cyberpunk was obviously a science fiction movement of the nineteen eighties, and that and back uh, then uh, it, uh, the Neuromancer stuff. Well, Neuromancer, yes, uh, William Gibson. Now, let's see. Um, now about cyberpunk is back when it was written in the early eighties, late seventies, early eighties. Uh, that was cutting edge, and they were trying to be as hard science fiction as possible. Like, this is what we think is possible. This is what we think will happen uh, in 50 years or whatever. The problem is, obviously, the predictions were uh, kind of screwed up, you know. In some ways, like, oh, bionic arms and legs. Well, that didn't come true. But well, they kind of ignored yeah. the idea of wireless internet. Like, oh, yeah, we could have wireless internet everywhere. Because I, I, as I flipped the Cyberpunk 2020 book, I see lots of pictures of just wires connecting everything. Right. And um, that that's, again, the, the, the why it's... Uh, one, just one reason why it's anachronistic. Um, there's one line 
in uh, the neuromancy, the opening sentence. It's like the port, uh, uh, the sky, the sky above the port was the color of a TV. Was the color of a television tuned to a dead channel? This was written in 1984, by the way. So in 1984, the color of a dead channel would, would be gray. Well, or it could be just solid gray. He, I think it was, it, it, depending on what mm-hmm. the how the TV was set up. So a gray sky, that's fine, and that worked really well. People really dug that then. But now uh, a dead channel would be bright blue. Bright blue, yes. So that wouldn't make sense to some kid, eleven year old kid, right reading it today, who wasn't aware of what televisions mm-hmm. were like, you know, twenty five years ago. So. You playing a cyberpunk game, you know, it, it feels like, what the fuck am I playing? I'm pl- There's a really great blog called Paleo Future talking about all these, you know, future predictions and like, oh, we'll all be driving Zeppelins in the year 2000, you know, and shit like that. <laughs> Wrong. Yeah, exactly. Like, how's your Zeppelin, Ross? Mine's uh, in the shop, actually. At, uh, uh, yeah. Busted hydrogen. hydrogen exactly. Bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to watch that shit. <laughs> um the uh and so it doesn't feel like science fiction it feels like i'm playing in a fantasy game or like it's just it's just uh, this weird by the way fun fact you know why they actually built the empire state building with the tip with the top they did uh to hook on so zeppelin yeah, could they hook that's that was the pretty much the plan they figured there would be there would be zeppelin docking platforms on all the major skyscrapers in new york city yeah uh entertainment anyways um it's true so that doesn't feel like science fiction to me, even though it's a science fiction game. Now, uh, of course, Shadowrun, they're trying... To, I don't know about Cyberpunk, but I know for Shadowrun, they've updated it to incorporate wire, wireless internet and stuff like that. But Shadowrun is a fantasy game because... Well, it, has ma- it has literal magic. <laughs> it has magic and dragons and elves and shit like that. So that's not science fiction either. You can't really... It doesn't really work. It has, it has some sci-fi elements. Right. But again, we're t- talking about... What is a science fiction game? What should it be about? And um, you can't really have that in Shadowrun because that, that won't have that, like, this could one day happen or something like that. Um, then, of course, you have other games like Traveler. Traveler, of course, is uh, based like on Larry Nevin and these other golden, golden, yeah, yeah, golden, golden age, 1950s, 60s sci-fi writers, which, again, feel anachronistic as hell because, well, for one thing, they have faster than light rockets or, you know, shit like that, but they don't have wireless internet. <laughs> Um, or wearable computers, or you know, things things of it's that. Kind of like playing Fallout. Yeah, well, Fallout they are actually better about um, these technologies, and Fallout they they specifically make it anachronistic from the start, and they they still have AIs, robots, and but just that, it's just that uh, integrated circuits didn't come until just about the end of the world. Right, Fallout's kind of its own beast. I mean, it's 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 obviously not fantasy, but it's a very stylized science fiction. And again, it's about ideas like uh, about utopia, dystopia. It's about what, how you can make utopian, how do you make it dystopian, how do you remake society. So it's very much hard science fiction. I mean, it's not hard science fiction because again, you have radioactive mutants and all this other shit. So it's soft sci-fi, but it, it's a very good sci-fi. The problem is there's no tabletop equivalent of it. I mean, yeah, I know there's apocalypse world and gamma world gamma well, gamma world and all these other post-apocalyptic rpgs but they don't really focus on the purity of the ideas i mean like fallout is very very yeah. much focused on the ideas so what about uh the road warrior well the road warrior again well that's that's really a western if you think about it it's a western it's an action movie you know it's like the one it's the one cowboy versus the 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 horde of marauding indians um so you know protecting the villagers well come on i like lord humongous i'm not saying it's a bad movie i'm just saying thematically it's much closer to a Western or mm. the Seven Samurai 
then you know it's not a science fiction movie. I mean, you re- technically it is, but uh, not really. I don't know. I'm sure genre authors will argue actually okay. About this. I mean, actually, Aliens. Uh, Aliens is very much a science fiction movie because again, it's about first contact with uh, aliens, and that's. But like, I mean, the thing is, though, the technology in that's kind of real anachronistic. Uh, like, like slightly, yeah, yeah, because the computers are still mono, like monocolor green. Yeah, screen. well, obviously, and they don't have wireless, and they don't have uh, augmented devices, and you know, uh, wearable computers, you know, uh, things of that nature. Yeah, that, but that's not important to it. I mean, they they are truckers, so they're not gonna have cutting edge equipment. And two, they do have an android. And again, the main focus of Aliens is the well, idea. Alien. I'm talking about the second Aliens movie. Well, even the second Aliens. I mean, well, in that one, the second one's a Western, too. It's, again, the Cowboys versus Indians. Or, you know, it's... Or a war movie. I mean, it's a war movie or a cowboy movie, depending on how you want to look at it. Cause, mm-hmm. No, it's a war movie. Because, yeah, you have all the archetypes of the... You know, you have the the, the, the lieutenant who loses his shit. You have the gruff NCO. Uh, you have the bad... At, you know, the, cre- the, the guy who loses his shit all the time, you know, panics. Yeah, the tough-as-nails woman. Yeah, uh, well, that's more of a recent adventure. I was thinking of World War II movies, but yeah. Uh, yeah, archetypal uh, war movie, so it's not sci- It's not very much science fiction. So It goes along the same thing as you, what, I guess, what, what you would really consider sci-fi or just really a number right. of things. So now we've been talking, you know, talking about science fiction as a genre now with this other. So how does this apply to gaming? How do you bring this into games? So the, the question is, we, we here at RPBR haven't been running many science fiction games and now we're just beginning to because of eclipse phase and so now i've just been thinking how do you run a science fiction how is that different from a fantasy game or any other game uh, now tom you actually have long stated several times you prefer science fiction to or over oh, fantasy yes because i know in new world campaign like eh, i prefer you know fan, you know sci-fi well i think it's the thing really because di- to me the difference between you know a fantasy and a sci-fi game is how i do it is really the kind of character I make and how I play them. Okay. Like, um, okay, take Vashik from uh, uh, The New World. Yes, a dragonborn, so a lizardy, scaly Fighter. warrior, uh, lawful good, kind of uh, uh, does what he think is right, you know, sort mm-hmm. of. Go- yeah, I kind of played, I play him a little. Protect society and that yeah. kind of thing. I play him pretty much like a, uh, like a knight. Right. So I, try, I tend to do that. I, some, I mean, like, I don't. I don't actually speak in a funny voice or anything, but I tend to avoid slang when I talk as him. Right. And I sometimes I you know I try to use I try to use words that appear in fantasy stories like honor and. That <laughs> honor never appears in. Well, science I'm trying to. I, you know, you know what I, you know what I mean though. I don't I I don't throw in a, you know like when we say like it says all right it's like all right the dragon's lair is ten clicks from our position I don't say stuff like that. Right. So, you know, but if I could just as easily do him in like a space sci-fi game. Sure. As a lizardy alien who wears armor, happens to fight with, you know, vibro swords or whatever. Well, I but I would play him di- it would I would play him differently then. Well, that's a, I mean, yeah, the the weapon that's a very shallow affectation. I mean, he would use, yeah, I mean, Vashik. But most likely he would be using, you know, kinetic, you know, en- like, you yeah, know, yeah, kinetic uh, projectile weapons right, or right energy weapons or something like that so yeah okay so how uh um and also then i then i would probably make him a lot more gruff and using slang a little more more people are familiar with okay so you role play i mean in terms of like your mannerisms how you actually act out mm-hmm. you, you you say yeah you know, like you know vashik would never go like vashik would never like sh- you know like go fuck yourself he would never say that okay 
you know, but if he was, if I was playing a warrior lizardy alien, I would probably say that a lot more. I would, you know, I would, I would actually use terms that I, you know, a little more, more modern sounding terms. Like I said, like clicks or, okay, or, you know, I could just, or just simply like, did you, you know, like entertainment instead of using bard, I would say, you know, like, do you see that this, this metal band or whatever. So what is it about in science fiction? So what is it about that characterization to me, to that's me, better? Just, I, to me, the technology angle is a lot more aesthetically pleasing than the mystical one. Okay. I prefer to speak in technological terms. Okay, because you're from a technological society? Pretty much. That's Okay. And it's just, it's kind of what I prefer to read. All right. You know, I would rather, I would rather you know, have a sudden emergency that, oh my God, they're like, the reactor core is going critical, we need, you know, and go, 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 as opposed to, you know, as opposed to, you know, the... The mystical, like the mystical flaunt, you know, like a great, you know, crystal that powers our airship, is under it is under attack from some wizard below. We we must. You know, I You're really reaching there. Yeah. I'm hey, I don't play much fantasy, <laughs> except for the New World campaign. Except for the New World campaign, we we had airships in that one. We did. But if there was a major situation, yeah, I would much rather prefer to be a spaceship. Okay. With a reactor problem rather than a mystical flying doohickey. Okay. Um, all right. That's interesting. Um, I um, to me, it's yeah. It's, it's hmm. more. It's an. It's an aesthetic. It's aesthetic. Okay. So you just prefer that too. Uh, all right. Uh, for me, though, what it w- was really exciting for me is again, it's about the ideas and the 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 themes and the the design. And uh, you know, in fantasy games, they're not very much about ideas per se. They're about morality. I mean, mm. they the really the what is right and what is wrong. I mean, that that's my take on it. Lord of the Rings, obviously, about like you know, you have Frodo's personal quest to avoid you know temptation. Uh, then you have the unjust, you know, the horde versus the orderly yeah. right. Aragorn's governments. reluctant to take up the throne. Right. Right. Um, I, yeah, we 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 watched Lord of the Rings right. for anyone who doesn't know that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then you know, in horror, horrors are obviously about you know our fears and our paranoias, uh, uh, various so- situations. You know, uh, fear of the other, fear of disease, fear of corruption. Um, you know, Call of Cthulhu is about fear of the other, the 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 cosmic other, uh, the idea that there's something out there that is hostile and that we are insignificant specks of dust and we we struggle in vain against something that will ultimately destroy us and different to us. Uh, and I find that very obviously very interesting. But you know, in science fiction, what we've are, what I've tried to do when I've run it, and I think Caleb's going for it, uh, at least so far in what the the few games he's run, it's about the ideas um, mm. and it's it's about what what does it mean like in eclipse phase obviously we mentioned that there's uh what they have what they call resleeving technology the idea is your mind can be emulated perfectly digitally so your mind can be a file on a computer and can be copied and run multiple times multiple instances of your own mind so what i had in one scenario is uh, a villain got a hold of the players backups of their own minds and put them in other bodies and had them fight the players. And so the players were literally fighting themselves. So they didn't realize that until later on. And uh, everyone's like, oh, my God, what the fuck is going on mm-hmm. here? And the guy, the villain, was um, ultimately trying to figure out who he was because he was corrupted by a virus, a computer virus. And now he was wondering if he was himself or if he was just a corrupted copy of himself. And so that was, for me, is like, you know, what is the, what is the nature of identity in this kind of post uh, singular consci- consciousness world, 
you know, what, what would it be like? How, who, you know, who am I? Who are you? You know, what is the nature right. of I and or if you? Or re- if you re-sleeve, is that really you? Yeah, exactly. Um, and we didn't get into the receiving them, but that was, that was the forking part was a, I, I was really interested in. So that's what I was interested in. And Caleb, so far, you know, we've only played two sessions of the campaign, so he was already throwing in ideas, uh, again, about the computer virus uh, that can... Alien technologies that we are subjected to that we have no understanding, so we don't we haven't even grasped what the ideas are yet. But we're just beginning to do this. Um, so that's I think on a large on the broad scale, that's how they're different, you know, in terms of what they're about. Like, you know, the, inside, great science fiction games are about ideas. Like, what is what is possible with this? Uh, how is it going to change everything? And you know, fantasy is about morality, and horror is about fear. Um, so th- now, on a practical level, how does that? mean you're gonna run a different game like in game mechanics that that's kind of a tricky thing because like in one hand you have the same item like hey i have this you know uh, a wand of healing yeah it can be a wand of healing in a fantasy game or it can be a uh nano a healing nano applicator you know in a sci-fi mm-hmm. game and game mechanics wise it'd be the same so the idea is like for you when you run science fiction games how do you make them different than your fantasy or your horror games or your modern games i mean how do you well do you actually, consciously try to emphasize the I sci-fi? do i right. do and i gotta admit sometimes it's sometimes it's kind of a cop-out i'll admit it yeah it's it seems often if like you know what i name something you just really kind of have to think of a scientific sounding name to something to really to make to, to make it go to make it hit home for some players okay you so know, you, you you believe in techno babble I do believe in techno babble, especially when it's stuff I actually personally don't quite understand myself. Okay. Well, I mean, do you have an example? Or yeah, like well, uh, I, I have a I, I have a story. I you know I have a story about a. Uh, you know, okay, this this was actually an earlier thing I did when I had like a, a bomb that was getting its power from, not you know not it basically to what creates a star, but I didn't just want to say fusion because that's basically a thermonuclear bomb. I was looking for something a little more cosmically powerful okay <laughs> so i was but so i just i thought uh, I, I was just thinking up you know like you know i can't even rem- remember the words i used but it's kind of it was along the lines of like like high as i oh god like like hydro is like is like hydromagnetic yeah, you yeah. know flux detonation device it's some some shit like that okay <laughs> The, the, but the thing is, this was like this was this was shortly after high school when I ran this. Right, right, right. It worked. They're like, "Oh fuck, that sounds bad," because they <laughs> didn't know any more than I did. Now, if I was to actually play the game with like a physics student or something, like, wait just a damn minute here, what the fuck are you talking about? All right. All right. I've actually since found another you know if, to make it way more powerful. I now I now just call it a matter antimatter bomb. Right. Which actually makes sense. It's, right. That's a physical thing. They're in close phase. They're in they're in science. They're they're it's a thing that can happen. Uh, and they're very powerful. Yeah. It's a very so, powerful explosion. Actually, uh, the, so I'm using I'm using it in some stuff I'm doing now. It, yeah. But yeah, it's like no no no. Oh yeah. It's and so I actually I even uh I, I even I even uh did some calculations to determine its possible blast radius. There you go. You know, like I said, okay, I, it has the force of, I want to say, you know, it's like, I, I used a gigaton <laughs> as the, the blast yield. So I looked up, I actually looked up the largest. A billion tons of antimatter? No, like, you know, it's, the explosive force would be a gigaton oh, of TNT. Oh, a gig, okay. 
Yeah, so in that one, I just looked up the Tsar bomb, which yeah. was the biggest nuclear weapon ever detonated. Yeah, it was 100 megatons. 50 megatons. I thought it, was it, was only, on... it was only 50. Huh. They, it, its original design was to be 100, but huh. they couldn't get it aboard the biggest Soviet bomber. Okay. So it was like 50 megatons. So just using that, I figured, okay, so take 50 megatons, you know, like take a... So that's be basically take, you know, 1,000 divided by 50 to get how much more it would be. And then just, you know, then use that to, like, okay, so I looked up the blast radius of the Tsar bomb. Right. And then just multiplied it accordingly. And then I, ha- I got like 400 some odd miles wide. So I'm like, all right. So kind of, I, I basically know, estimating wise, how much a gigaton, how, how big the blast of a gigaton bomb would be. Okay. So in that one, I'm actually using stuff yeah, yeah. that could be considered real. Right. Um, did that help? I mean, yeah. It's actually, I also watched the, I, I don't, I forget the name, but it was a show on sci fi saying the top, it was like the top 10 um, ways particles could destroy the earth. <laughs> yeah, and uh, actually, my, I get, I just, my favorite was an atom of strange matter gets onto the earth, which would essentially convert every atom on earth into strange matter. But there was another one was an antimatter explosion. I think they said it was somewhere along the lines of, Several hundred thousand tons of antimatter com- colliding with an equal part, uh, you know, regular matter would utterly atomize the planet. Right. So, but yeah, that's why. Oh yeah, anti. That stuff it reacts when it, well, that's, you got to incorporate that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I like science. Yes. Uh, so yeah, that's that's a that's a good technique actually is to take uh, cutting edge scientific principles, theories, ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and incorporate it into the game. In fact, that's how a lot of sci-fi works, is taking this stuff. Another, uh, t- other popular topics include quantum anything. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, actually, there's one. I ha- This might actually be giving a little bit of praise to Palladium. Okay. I'm sorry if advanced, but I was actually looking it up in the, after the, the new edition after the bomb book. They have something called Spider Goats. Yeah. Yeah, which was actually, and then they, that they re- were referencing actually mixing uh, like spider silk into uh, like goat milk, like making it where like the goat milk these goats produced had spider silk in it, right? To increase uh, like it's some kind of nutritional uh, benefit to have that in right, there, right? 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 So they were simply going off of that, right? Right. So, so yeah, that's they that's, did a little research on that. <laughs> um, that's a little, a little research. So, um, sounds pretty good. Uh, yeah, so that's a good idea is taking this stuff, you know, like I said, yeah. quantum, anything like a. But yeah, I'd say what, if you want to make a sci fi game, your best friend, I think, really would be like Nova and such kind of. Well, I mean, that would be a starting off point. I mean, there, there are quite a few good resources on the, on the internet, uh, the Smithsonian blog. Uh, there's a lot of really good science blogs out there. Uh, and so and start looking up topics. I mean, there's always going to be news releases about new te- technologies, new discoveries, that kind of thing. Yeah, actually, I, um, I, on a RPG.net, I remember a lot of like sci-fi game ideas came out when they, right before they fired up the Hadron Super Collider. Right, the Hadron, yeah, the Particle Collider, yeah. Uh, obviously, that would be, uh, you know, there, there, there's people that was, that was actually on that, on that same show, like the top 10 ways Earth can be destroyed. They actually mentioned that basically, they meant the, specifically the Hadron Particle Collider actually opens up a black hole. Right. Right, no, that was another thing they talked about, uh, or that I, I was aware of. I mean, there were people like, "Don't turn it on; it's going to destroy us all." There's not a, not a. Uh, I remember the Daily Show actually did a part, a part about it where it says, "Well, 
the guy who's like, don't turn it on. Uh, uh, you see, it, it, there's either two things, one of two things could, that can happen. Either it destroys the world or it doesn't. So that means there's a 50% chance it could happen. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and the Daily Show obviously poked fun of that. Like, if there's two things that could happen, is that that's not necessarily fifty percent chance. You know, if there's yeah. two outcomes, that doesn't. It's not how probability works. Um, so that's one good idea. Uh, is obviously incorporating real science uh, as for scenario fodder or that kind of thing. Uh, but in terms of again, we're getting more like the the the, the practicality. Like, how does a science fiction game feel different than a magical you know fantasy game or horror game uh another thing for me is just tools and how they're used you know in a magical game fantasy game obviously you have differing availabilities of things um you know and there's only that one plus one sword versus troll or plus five versus mm. trolls or whatever else like that and each uh, magical item has it's very hard to find or very rare or whatever else like that. But in a, in a sci-fi game technology, you know, might be rare or hard to get, but it should be understood. Like people are going to be like, Oh my God, you're using this strange weapon on us. Or like, uh, in eclipse phase, exact one of the things is, uh, there's what they call T rays, T ray emitters, which allow you to basically have better than X-ray vision. Uh, so you can see through things, but this is a common, easily available technology. So I'm like, I'm going to use this. And then NPC should use it on you and uh yeah so mm -hmm. it's going to be uh so we're actually if i may uh give a shout out once again to yeah. the same author on fanfiction.net okay she has she does a lot of investigative stuff in her story based on mass effect right and she makes a point that you know the cops look at possibilities of using really advanced technology that's just that's just among the first things they do when they investigate a crime scene right so, like, so if they saw, you know, strain, like, the wall was partially melted, they're going to, like, says, someone might have used a plasma ejector here. I'm not right. sure. It says, but it have to be a small one, maybe a single shot. Right. You know, they, they would... Right, right. there'd be forensics mm -hmm. uh, to Matt keep up with technology. People wouldn't be fuck. They wouldn't be mystified by like, oh my god, he saw our weapons even though they're in our pants. That's amazing. They'd be like, oh, fuck like, your oh, ST-ray emitter. Um, or, now, or, or, they, or like, dude, he, like, he's awfully calm after seeing that. Th oh, yogurt. Right. Uh, so, yeah. I find that very amusing. Uh, yes, one of the drugs in Eclipse Phase is called Comfort, and it's actually yogurt that calms you down and makes you less crazy temporarily. Restores sanity, basically. Um, so that's awesome. But, like, no, the other thing is in terms of practicality, in, magic, in fantasy games, magic items are very rare and they're won in battle or crafted individually. So there's a, there's a very scarce environment. Like, it, you, players have to. Every item, every piece of gear is hard fought for and won. In a sci-fi game, it should be like not how much gear you have, but what you do with it. Like how creative can you be with it? How intelligent can you be? So like you shouldn't be threatened by players that have a lot of weird gear or uh, that gives them an access to unusual powers. And obviously be like, oh, well, I have a battle cruiser. I'll just uh, uh, use my remote control and vaporize that guy while it's sitting in orbit or whatever. I mean, obviously there's unbalanced Super technology. You don't want players getting their hands on antimatter, you know, uh, warheads or the matter antimatter bombs. Yeah, exactly. You don't want that, but um, you don't want them to be. You don't want to give the same kind of economics or the same kind of scarcity of like if they're in eclipse phase. You shouldn't be like, well, nobody, uh, nobody can take a T-ray emitter. 
Uh, no, yeah, exactly. Nobody can do this. Nobody can have boosted reflexes. Nobody can do this. You, know, you don't want to limit what kind of gear they have available for it. You should let them go nuts with it and be creative with it because that's uh, part, again, literature of ideas. How can you use technology in new ways? And so even though, and one thing about Eclipse Phase that, or that no sci-fi game is going to really do is like, the authors can think of all. They can only think of so many possibilities that can be done with the technology. They're not going to think of everything that players are going to be able to think of in, you know, with this They're given a technology. Lot. Right, exactly. Players are assholes. <laughs> Whose job is to screw the DM? So, um, you kind of have to when you're running a science fiction game, you have to give players access to the technology, unless it's like a post-apocalyptic game, and that's the whole point. Uh, and then, but you have to be flexible to let them use it in ways you didn't anticipate. Um, I mean, that's part of the fun in it, I think, mm-hmm. is being... Once again, yeah, as long as it makes sense. Right. You know, like, it's like, okay, like, I want to use, like, I want to use my, uh, like, my, I want to use the, uh, my, the, the watch I have that actually is, in, is a digital watch in my skin. Yeah. I want to cut it open and let some of the, some of the capacitance liquid yeah. melt through the bars. Uh, No. It's not that that's not what it is. Well, actually, you know what you should do again to encourage the science fiction part of it. uh, The science part of it is if the player can make a good argument that that capacitance fluid would actually melt stuff if it was cut open and put on there, then, yeah, I would allow it. Because another thing would be not just using tools on way, but using the scientific theories you've proved are true in this game. You know, um, if there's faster than light technology then some physicists would argue then you could have time travel. Uh, And it's a very complex thing. Um, But if a player can argue like, well, if I do this, this, if this is true and this is true, then I should, this should happen. Be like, well, yeah. I mean, logically. Just live with the consequences. Yeah, exactly. So uh, player, you should let players try to understand the concepts, you know, the science in the game and then really take ownership of it so they can really, uh, push the ideas in it. Um, now, obviously, this will be hard to design for. It'd be in, especially in really advanced games like Eclipse Phase. It's almost like a superhero game because, like, my character has chameleon skin, uh, psychic powers to read minds. Uh, let's see here. What else? You? The T ray emitter, uh, grip pad, so he can climb up walls. Uh, I'm an oct- I'm a talking octopus that can have eight swords right yeah exactly and we all have personal ai assistants i have my mental speed is uh improved so i can actually watch bullets as they fly by me um i have a lot of ridiculous things that i can do so i it there's so many things i can my character can do i can't even keep up with it all but that's awesome you know because i can solve problems in a lot of different ways because it it gives the players options yeah exactly so again, it, it, you just have to keep a, 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 a understand these ideas, and uh, that's how, I think at the core how players would understand this game is different than a fantasy game. You know, is how they use tools, how they use the theories, the ideas in it, and to solve to overcome the conflicts in the game. In a fantasy game, there's no like, oh well, if this magic spell does this and this magic spell does that, then this should be true. Well, no, it's magic. It can be, it's totally fucking arbitrary. Mm. There's no logic to it. It's just, this is true because the God of magic said this was true. You know, like, like, well, if this monster has two heads, then the mental, the mental strength of that should make it like, you should lower its reef, its reflex time by like, no, it's, it's magical. Yeah, exactly. So mad fantasy things are arbitrary. And then horror things are, purposefully irrational because like it should do if this is true and this is true this should be true no it's not that's why you go crazy son of a bitch ah! 
you know, exactly. But in sci-fi, you have to at least have the honesty to do this, you know, um, to stick to the ideas of the game. So, uh, which makes it a challenge to run because you have to you have some imagination to figure it out and be flexible and be willing to change your plans because the players are assholes and figure out how to, you know, teleport an antimatter bomb to the the heart of the enemy. You'd be like fuckers. Uh, I'll get you next time. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, is that kind of... I a, think we should try to do a little more sci-fi, besides yeah, well, just Clips Phase. Well, that's the thing, is outside of a Clips Phase, I, I don't know of any really hard sci-fi games that I'd be really that feel relevant today, because they feel, again, anachronistic, or... Uh, there will be another Lady Gaga. Yeah, well, yeah, game. there will be a Lady Gaga, but again, that's its own beast for you actual play fans out there. Uh, but what, what would your be suggested for a good science fiction game other than Eclipse Phase? I mean, I know there's Transhuman Space, but Transhuman Space has the problem of a game design perspective of... What do you do? Yeah, exactly. There's not a really great conflict in there. So, you know, yeah. Um, sorry, what? Transhuman Space. You're interesting, but you're kind of boring. Yeah. What about Warhammer 40K? That's really fun. That's 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 fantasy. I mean, that that's really fucking fantasy. Mm-hmm. That that's. that's well, I'm, I'm trying to actually think of shit that's out. That's exactly. That's the whole point of this episode, Thomas. I, there is a dearth of good hard sci-fi RPGs, uh, is what I'm saying. Uh, and of course, then people will be posting the comments like, "Oh my God, you totally forgot this." And well, that's why we rely on you, people. Yeah, exactly. Do our work, minions. <laughs> um, so I said that, not me. Ross is the one with delusions of grandeur here. I do all the work. You shut your face. See, he's already trying to order me around. Yeah, trying. That's key operative word there. So yeah. So uh, I think that kind of sums up uh, this little discussion here. We'll, we'll of course talk about it more in the future. Or, uh, in the future, and uh, yeah, we do have some reader letters. Uh, Tom has a letter. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, we have shoutouts and an anecdote from the letter. So uh, plus, Tom has another one that he wants to talk about. Recent game event. Aaron yeah. did something funny. So, anyways, uh, we'll be back in a bit. Let's talk about frozen yogurt. Wait, stick with me here. This might seem a bit strange, but I will tie this into gaming, I promise. But for now, I'm going to need you to stick with me. Now, frozen yogurt. I don't know how you all listeners out there feel about the subject, what with your refined tastes and impeccable class. But as for me, I love frozen yogurt. I have many reasons, most of which are based off a constant struggle with a weight problem. But whatever my reasons, I like it. I buy it at the store, and I was a regular patron of TCBY when we still had those in Springfield, Missouri. So imagine my delight when I heard that some new frozen yogurt stores were opening in Springfield, one only a few blocks from my house. I had been that happy since I watched President Clinton question the meaning of the word is back in the 90s. But when the magical day came and the stores opened, I found myself surprised to find they were designed around some ultra-modern style, with oddly shaped chairs, blindingly bright colors, and a general ambiance that seemed to cater to the 20-year-old hipster demographic, a place I clearly didn't belong. So, the frozen yogurt was very good, but I don't think I could stick around there for long. While I am inside, a profound sense of unease fills me, making me doubt that I'm in a safe place. I like the overall product, but the packaging simply does not work for me. This is a metaphor I use for the early editions of Vampire the Masquerade. 
Contained within the book is a really interesting gaming potential, but it's surrounded by a lot of pointless pretentiousness. Can't I just play a creature of the night without the Robert Smith hairdo, the nihilistic poetry, or the personal tragedy that makes me want to wither away from consumption? I'm not hip enough for that. I want the instant gratification that comes from throwing a Buick or punching with enough force to bring down the Patronus Towers in Kuala Lumpur. Frozen Yogurt and Vampire the Masquerade, brought together. Take that, Al-Qaeda. And we're back. And uh, that was a great letter, Tom. So, well, thank you. Well, uh, I worked really hard on it. Oh, that's that's great to hear. Isn't it? I could tell. I, guess. I know. Um, I so, have one of those faces. I was talking about the letter. I'd not even look at I'm face. a gorgeous bastard, Ross. You have a face for radio, Tom. Let's see what I did there. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for a long time for that. Um, we are going to be doing shout outs right now. Uh, Tom, why don't you start? I'll go something? ahead and kick things off. I'll, yeah. I'm doing this shout-out, but I guess the credit really goes to Ross. Um, there's a, uh, Dario Argento, an Italian horror director, mainly from the 70s. 80s. And 70, 80s. 70s, 70s and, and 80s. 80s, yeah. yeah I he's had, still making movies. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, I've seen two of his. I've seen Demons and Demons 2. Yeah. And actually, I watched... Actually, those, those he just produced. Uh, let's see here. Directed by Lombardo Baba, I think. Well, Anyways. those two movies I watched when I was uh, staying over here watching uh, Ross's Lizard when he was gone on a trip. Oh, yeah. So I, I perused his collection. Okay. But no, the one we watched uh, last you know, weekend before last was a movie called Phenomenon. Yeah. Now, uh, who is... I forget who, exactly her name, but it's this. It's like some actress's film debut. Uh, Jennifer Connelly. Jennifer Connelly, her first movie about a girl that has the psychic empathy with insects and the ability to communicate and control them. Yeah. And she uses this ability with the help of an entomologist. Donald Pleasance. Played by Donald Pleasance. With a Scottish accent and in a wheelchair. Like, who uh, you might know him as the president from Escape from New York. Well, most people know him as the doctor who chased down Michael Myers in the original well, Halloween. Well, but I know him from Escape from New York. Well, you're the only one who thinks... I know, I am. I'm unique. You're, you're weird. I'm a beautiful, unique snowflake. Anyway, yeah. but no, the, she uses this power to hunt down a serial killer with the help of this uh, entomologist by, like, using, uh, like, fireflies to help her navigate... Well, don't don't spoil it for them. Well, okay. That's the basic setup. Well, okay, <laughs> using fireflies and, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and other, and other various insects to help her on this case. Yeah, don't... don't. Let, and uh, I'm not. I'm, I'm definitely not going to reveal this part. But there's one scene in particular that was the reason Ross said, "Tom and everyone else, you need to watch this." Yeah. And I waited and waited, and then it came, and I'm like, "Well, Ross, you were not wrong. <laughs> I needed to see this." <laughs> it's a pretty bad. Now, of course, I like the movie uh, even before the scene in particular because you know it's a, it's a it's May 1985. Uh, it's really fucking weird. The, the the soundtrack is insane. There's Motorhead, uh, just coming out of fucking nowhere. They'll they'll in scenes where there shouldn't be Motorhead. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the gore is kind of fake. Uh, yeah. It's like it's like having a quiet walk in the woods. And then with, Motorhead just starts belting with like, out with like Ace of Spades suddenly playing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's a great movie. It's got this weird fucked up fairy tale feel. It takes place in uh, Switzerland. Uh, Jennifer Connelly is an American exchange student at this prestigious academy. It's, um, 
an amazingly original horror film, and it's just so the choices Argento makes are so weird and different that it it just is worth watching. And um, if you're a horror fan, I recommend it. You know, if you're you know one of those new like oh this movie isn't a Michael Bay super hypercut like ADD directed, then yeah, no, you're not gonna like it because it's slow, but it's worth it. It's awesome. Right. And then then the payoff. Yeah, well, don't, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying a damn word. It's it's that scene. And there that are other, scene. Yeah, it's just. There's other there's, scenes, too. There's other scenes, and they're all fucking great, as far as I'm concerned. So, anyways. Uh, so, yes, great shout out there. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, anyways, I'm going to mention, obviously, The Unspeakable Oath. Uh, Again. Because uh, we're not only doing episode one, we did episode one, two and a half hours long, interview uh, reviews, uh, talk about Mansions of Madness, uh, which is a shitty board game, I have to say. But one more time, and it is a, I got eliminated from the game, I had to wait an hour for, uh, for the other people to finish. Is this the one you said that uh, there was like something that was like only to your character that if you leave the game, you're out entirely. Yeah. That's a really stupid thing to have. Yeah. Cause you can like, it's like no more fun for you. Yeah, exactly. You don't, you get kicked out of the game, uh, for no good reason. It's just, it's just a really bad game. I mean, if you're the keeper, I can see you having fun, but like if you're a player, I just, your turns are in too quickly. You yeah. get nailed pretty quick. Anyways, yeah. I can it's, go on it's, and on. It's nothing like we didn't play test this at all. Yeah, at least that's short. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's short and awesome. Uh, but the unspeakable, of the, what I was going to mention is we're doing actual plays, too. We're going to have a Delta Green uh, game uh, as an actual play on there. And we'll be putting more online in the future. So keep an uh, eye out, ear out for it. It's on iTunes now. So review it on iTunes. Review RPPR on iTunes if you haven't already. Review RPPR actual play on iTunes. We need feedback. We love feedback. We live off of it. It, it, we call it the juice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We need to juice up. Um, so you had another one, Tom? Uh, yeah, actually. Um, yeah, actually, the found footage. Yeah, I know. The thing is, I'm trying. I was trying to get that title in my head because I did. I walked in on this when this yeah. was playing at Ross's house. Yeah. Uh, Aaron and I were. We, uh, Ross has kind of done Saturday night as movie night. Yeah, we were, yeah. And while they were waiting for us, so thoughtfully. Yeah. They were apparently playing something else. So we come in with our. Bags of pizza, you know, pizza, Food, bi- pe- pizza bits, and yeah, and they're watching Food something called yeah. Found is like the Found Footage Festival. That's it, Volume Three, I Volume believe. Three, and we rocked, walked in right as they were doing a clown thing. Yeah, You're, specifically crap. what I, we walked in on, the Clown Ministry, <laughs> and it's nothing to do with like the the music group Ministry, or like it's like clowns playing music. No, it's a clown church. And I looked at it, and I thought, I should be making a sand check here, because these clowns are freaking my shit right out. I just walked in on this. Yeah. I have no context here. <laughs> There's not much context to have. Are these, Aaron and I, we both froze when we saw this. <laughs> it's like yeah. these clowns walking... I was, it, was it a nursing home? Yeah. They were, like, ministering to the uh, yeah, like, you know, if I was a, okay, If I was a guy, if I was a retiree in a nursing home... That would be the last thing I want to see. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, God, has the time come? Yeah, pretty much. So, and uh, so they do, the, they do like, different sections. Like, they have a section on 80s hunks. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, like, weird footage of that or the how-to videos. <laughs> I think some of my favorite had to be the, um, 
sexual harassment training videos. <laughs> yeah, those are pretty good. Um, anyways, so just so you understand, the found footage festivals, what they do is they find, uh, they go through VHS tapes and, uh, you know, bargain ba- basement DVDs and all that kind of stuff. And they compile the weirdest, most obscure clips they could find and put them together as compilations, show them to people. Um, they've done like the, the, uh, um, uh, what was the guy uh, who curses the motorhome guy who um, was that brand of motorhomes? Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, what's well, whatever. He, he he's making a, a motorhome instructional video or promotional video, and he keeps cursing, and they record all of the outtakes. Oh yeah, they they were. Uh, yeah. What was the name of that? They released a thing on that. What yeah, there's that? a documentary about the guy. It's something guy. Um, yeah, I want to say. Um, yeah, I'm just blanking. Anyways, they, they have him. That's kind of like the standard of what the Found Footage Festival is going for. Uh, Was it RV Man? No, it was uh, the brand name of the RV. Uh, Okay. I don't remember. And I can't be Google. I can't be asked to Google. Uh, Arsed to Google. You don't feel the Google right now. No, I just, I'm just lazy. Um, Good, Good enough. So they put out three comp volumes of this stuff and it's fucking great. There's actually, I found out the Onion AV Club. Mm -hmm. They've been partnered with the Found Footage Festival people and they actually put little clips online and they have the Clown Ministry uh, clips on the Onion AV Club's website. Nice. So we'll put a link up to that so you can be horrified as well. Be horrified like Tom. You know, be traumatized. I, and I was traumatized. Yeah. Uh, so, good times. So yeah. It's a good, th- it's a good thing Aaron just bought a lot of booze. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Even though I don't drink. Yes. Um, so, uh, the other thing was, I, I, th- I think Aaron needed it. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, I had another one. Uh, let's see here. Risking it all. Pakistan. Al Jazeera. Um, you know, the, the news network, uh, they put a lot of their stuff online on YouTube and they have one show called risking it all, which is about truck drivers in the third world. And they have one, uh, the one episode I watched was about truck drivers in Pakistan in the Northern mountainous region of Pakistan. And it's driving ancient trucks, ancient trucks, like, you know, 700,000 kilometers on the odometer. Yeah. Yeah. It just stopped. The odometer stopped working years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And they're driving this one lane mountainous route to get to these, you know, really hard to get to villages to get supplies to them. And it's basically, you know, one lane period. But I saw that, but there's there's still like, seems like there's still trucks coming the opposite direction. Yeah. So you have to, you have to back up and let them go. And then you go, you know, it's like biggest truck has right of way. (laughs) And it's insanely dangerous. It's a 25 minute program. It goes into their life, how hard it is. Um, you know, what they have to do to keep it running. Um, and yeah, it's really, really, you uh, think you got a hard job. Oh my God. Yeah. You don't even know. Oh God damn. I would not want that job. Uh, cause if you, you die, you're going to die. I mean, you just fall over and there's no way that you can get help. Cause it's just, you're oh. in the middle, you're in nowhere. Yeah. Well, there are other, other truck drivers, but I mean, so what are they gonna do? Like, we can't get to you. We you fell off you. to Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's... They, he could still be And alive. it's free. It's all on YouTube. It's a 25-minute program. Highly well-made. Uh, as good as anything you're going to see on Discovery Channel or 
uh, Traveler Channel or anything ice like that. Ice Road Truckers and some shit. It's fucking hell, be- way yeah, better yeah. than Ice Road. Ice Road Truckers, you know, they... The, they the, wi- pa- yeah, the Pakistani truck drivers wish they had the Ice Truckers drop. They're like, oh, on ice? Fuck it, yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like shit, we used to dream about driving on ice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, it's not the narrow... Ma- I mean, that's smooth and that's what much better. Like, at one point, they actually had to stop and wait a day so they can bulldoze the avalanche that blocked off the one road they had to go past. Like, literally... They have to wait for a fucking bulldozer to show up to bulldoze a new path through the highway or through not even through the through the road. I mean, through this fucking dirt road. I mean, that's how bad it is. So, uh, yeah, yeah, good stuff. Uh, you had another one. Yeah, uh, whitest kids, you know. Yeah, I know. I admit this is. I already posted this on the uh, forums on the forums, but there's a the whitest kids you know did a rap video that just speaks to everything that is me. Yeah, it's about. Getting high with dinosaurs. Because you're all about the 420. Is that it, Tom? Yeah. You're, you're, you're admitting it now. I also kind of like dinosaurs. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Just a bit. So Just a bit. So much so that I've said, Ross, I'll actually pay you money if you put this in a game somewhere. <laughs> dinosaur rap? No, like dinosaurs and us allowing to party and get high with them. Oh, <laughs> well, in Eclipse phase, that could be possible. But Caleb's running it, so tell Caleb. Uh, well, we're, uh, no, 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 no. It could very well happen in uh, Wild Talents, too. This is true. This is true. Uh, like, I would actually have a nice crisp 20 for you if you were able to do that somehow. <laughs> and make it good, not just a throwaway scene. <laughs> I'm very specific on that. If it's a throwaway scene, I'll give you See, five. I'm such a whore that that yeah. I'm. Considered. If it's a throwaway scene, I'll give you five. Yeah, wait till I uh, rent to pay at the end of the month, anyways. Um, so uh, I have two more. Um, Magica, uh, Nippon, and Marshlands new DLC for Magica. They're also adding PvP to Magica. So instead of accidentally blowing up your comrades, it's on purpose. It's on purpose this time, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and Magica Nippon, you get a katana and a staff that gives you resistance to all the elements. Only ninety nine cents. Half the money goes to Japan. So uh, it's ninety nine cents. Fucking do it. Uh, and then Marshlands new maps uh, for fighting, uh, surviving, uh, uh, undead theme too. So oh well, fu- Ross is right there. I know, right? Oh my god. <laughs> So. Ross likes Undead the way I like dinosaurs. Yep, I did write a book about it. Uh, so yeah, DLC for Magicka, it's great. And the PvP, I think, was coming for free, so that'll be great, too. Fantastic. Uh, is just a great game. Uh, anyways, uh, I, that's why I put like 40 hours into it, so, you know. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Black Bag Jobs, that is a first group of scenarios for the Laundry RPG, which is, I'm like the only person who is a fan of it here. Because uh, I'm the only one who is, because everyone else is reading Dresden Files. I'm sure Dresden Files are fine. I haven't read them. It's just. It's not laundry. It's not the laundry, exactly. It's not British occult humor espionage. So, you know. Uh, Black Bag Jobs is a group of scenarios about it uh, taking place everything from London to Afghanistan uh, to an oil rig uh, in the middle of the Atlantic where bad things happened. As you can imagine. Oh, I'm sure it's all it's all happy go lucky. <laughs> so I'll probably be running one of those scenarios for uh, RPPR sooner or later. But if you want to check it out, I mean, it's like 25 bucks, so it's a good deal, and it's got some good uh, scenarios in it. Uh, very got a very Lovecraftian theme to it. I I don't want to spoil it, but they they got some interesting ideas in it. They got some things. So uh, yeah. So anyways, uh, finally we have our letters and anecdotes. So uh, do you? Why don't we do the reader letters first? Um, so, uh, why don't we talk about... Uh, 
this is from Michael. Uh, uh, leave his last name off, in case he wants to be private. Um, anyways, uh, hi guys, I've enjoyed listening to your podcast over the last two years, as well as your actual play. Some of the subjects that you've discussed in RPR are really interesting. You've really helped me improve as a player and a GM. I have a request, though. One of the challenges I faced is in finding good players. I live in New York City, and there's actually tons of gaming groups here that cater to all kinds of gamers. Old school, new gamers, board games, LARP, etc. I feel like I'm in a hotbed of players, but I've struggled to find a good group. Uh, maybe it's personal, but I found very few people that I enjoy meeting with and gaming with. I'm continually impressed with the new players you find and host in your games. How do you find them, and uh, how do you screen them? You really have gathered together a great group and have had players come and go who are high-quality contributors. What's your secret? Maybe a uh, subtopic is about developing player preferences or maybe developing the right attitudes. Is there a balance of player types you think that works? Uh, when you counter a player that nobody likes, how do you deal with it? Well, that, that part is simple. You just stop inviting them. <laughs> uh, be an asshole. Um, I really realize it may be as simple as playing with your friends, but my friends aren't into gaming. What methods do you suggest in assembling a crack team of role players that will keep it real? Because that's the important thing. Yes. Uh, I hope you find this potentially interesting topic for discussion. Keep up the great work, and thank you for the great podcast. Now, Tom and I discussed this before we, we started recording, and it's a good topic. The problem is Tom and I uh, both thought we couldn't really do a whole episode about this because we've just been really lucky. Yeah, we really have. I a lot of it's been, like, friends of other players we've gotten. Yeah. No, it has been. Like, um, just thinking about, uh, well, the, the main group. Like, first there was Patrick and Cree. Those were fellow English grad students that mm-hmm. I, well, Patrick was, and then Cree was engaged to him. And so they were there. Uh, and this was before I started recording, really. So you, you, some of you won't this be. This is around the time of the age of masks. Yeah. Um, then there was Jason, who was another GA. I think he was a friend of Patrick as well. So he got roped in it, and so he he stuck around. Uh, of course, Tom I've known since high high school. So yeah, we, friend, you know, forever. yeah, pretty much like since our sophomore year. Yeah. Um, let's see the other players. Um, Cody, we've talked about that. He's talked about that. You know, he was at a comic book shop, and I mentioned Call of Cthulhu, and he's like, oh yeah, like try that. And so I invited him, and it he worked, worked out. out. Yeah. So he was so with Cody. I just expressed. He expressed interest in Call of Cthulhu, and I invited him. I had no idea what he was like, whether he was good or bad as a player, and it just happened to work out. So uh, Caleb was a friend of Cody, uh, so Cody invited him, so a friend of a friend. That's another yeah. thing. Um, let's see here. Thad. Aaron uh, Aaron is Aaron your friend. Aaron was my friend. So friend of a friend. Yeah. Uh, what about Thad? Thad was also from Cody. Cody's very much a social butterfly. Yeah. Everybody knows Cody. Um, so, and he's also an English GA student. So, my guess, my get English grad students, maybe they're into that sort of shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are the other mainstays? Uh, let's see here. Drew, uh, he's somebody I knew. He was uh, another student I met, and he was into gaming. So, I invited him, and he's worked. He worked out pretty well. Of course, he's back in St. Louis now. Um, what are those? Let's see here. Bill actually, actually uh, Bill was a friend of Jason's, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. So was Dan. Uh, yeah, they were they were roommates. Yeah. So I or I think Dan maybe was through Matt and John and Kitty. Again, people I just met and gamed with in yeah. college. Uh, actually, um, remember Andy? Yeah. Well, no, he actually. Li- I was, uh, Andy is like was a, is a good friend of mine and a good role player. I I game with all the time. He was actually and um, him. He just walked right up to us at meta games one time. Yeah. And just said, hi, I'm Andy. I have a game of my own. Yeah. And that's pretty much how we met him. So I guess yeah. if you want to, another way to meet, meet a group is to find some people that are already role-playing and just, hi, I'm me. Yeah. 
And of course, if you have that, you have a chance to observe them to see if they're going to be your kind of thing. Uh, now, uh, there's some things that are going to be more specific to you, like you know what kind of gaming gamers you're looking for. You mentioned that there was a lot of gamers in New York City, but none that you've clicked with. So, I mean, I don't, you didn't say what you click with, so I can't mm-hmm. help you on that. Uh, but look with genre things. Like for me, Cody expressed an interest in Call of Cthulhu. And obviously, Ross that's has like, a small interest in Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, that, that's a good sign. I mean, like <laughs> Call of Cthulhu players is good people. Um, in yeah. my in my experience, um, another thing obviously is shared educational background or something like that. English, you know, grad students in general are kind of nerdier than the average person. I, I'm sorry, I don't, if you're a grad student, you would take umbrage at this. I'm sorry, but you're a grad. It's student. been our experience. Well, no, it's just you're a grad student. You're going to higher education, a, a degree that may or may not financially pay out for you. You're you're kind of a nerd. You're kind of going, you know. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to admit it. I mean, you know, you're a grad student. Come on. Come uh, on. <laughs> um, yeah, also, once again, and make, sh- make sure you can just hang out with them. That's actually my experience. If you if if you're someone and they only want to role play with you and they don't want to hang out with you, it's never worked out for me. Right. Uh, of course, that's not going to help you with the initial recruiting, though. No, it's but not. That, that's but, like if you're kind of on the fence about well, it. Well, that's, that's just if you happen to find somebody... To know if they're going to work out for you. Yeah. You know, you could find a gamer, but then suddenly realize that, well, you work really well in a game, you actually despise each other. Like, not what may despise each other, but have nothing else in common. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, that will lead to friction. Um, yeah, one thing is the, uh, obviously some players have dropped in and out more on their own preference. Uh, Mike, oh, by the way, is a friend of Jason. Mm-hmm. And he just showed up, and I just gave him an I see, I see Mike damn near every day. Oh, yeah? Some, like, around, like, Four o'clock or so, he walks right by Springfield Blueprint. Probably, I think it works downtown. So yeah, and I, I see him. He's like always. He's like put in the process of putting on his a suit as he's walking down the street. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Or maybe he lives downtown. I'm not sure. Um, I saw Mike the other day when we saw X Men First Class. Mm-hmm. He liked it, by the way, which is you know, yes, I did a surprise. Too. I did too. <laughs> um, but that's all we're gonna say about that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we, yeah. If you, if you listeners out there, if you have comments on advice on how to get good, you know, uh, find better players. I mean, we've, again, we've just been really fortunate in terms of finding really high but quality we've, we've people. But we've hit a lot of winners on the first uh, try. I mean, th- there have been people that have, you know, washed out, and that, that wasn't, like, horrible. That was just kind of like they, they kind of – I know there's one guy who ran Savage Worlds for us once, and then he – I don't think I was in that. No. It was Patrick Curry. It was back in Pepper Tree. And oh, was, yeah. And um, – he we played one session with him and it was kind of like eh, okay. wasn't there a mage game that ha- that happened with too? Well, he moved away. Uh, Tim, that was Tim, and that was okay. And he he's a good player. He was a good player. Uh, he was in that Iron Heroes game I ran that you weren't part of, and he was a great player in that. Um, so he would be a good player here. Um, uh, he just moved away. So you kind of have to keep your eye out and sort of look for people with. I guess filters that you think would be appropriate for me would be like not just gamers, but gamers that are into Cthulhu. Uh, Cause that's kind of, if you're interested in call of Cthulhu, especially you're not like, you can't be a, that much of a power gamer or munchkin because it's called Cthulhu and you, you're you, an investigator. Well, it, you either horrible, if you're a power gamer you're in call of Cthulhu, you horribly misunderstand either call of Cthulhu or power gaming mm-hmm. because you don't get you can't do both you can't really power game and call cthulhu that's that's not how the game is designed so uh for me that's kind of a good litmus test so you don't want like trench coat flapping with two yithian light yithian lightning gun in each hand 
Well, you can, but you're still going to die horribly. Um, because... Well, if not, from, if not from violence, then radiation poisoning. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, in other advice, yeah, look for people with uh, filters that you think would be good, like interest in, like everybody can, you know, Dungeons and Dragons doesn't really say much about their playing style. You know what I mean? Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons can be played any number of ways. Right, but Call of Cthulhu could only be played in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't really play a munchkin Call of Cthulhu. I've n- never really heard of that, because the rules don't support it. Um, Unless the GM allows you to play, like, you know, doles or something. Well, <laughs> they're not really playing Call of Cthulhu. They're just making shit up at this point. Yeah, so, well, uh, there's a whole game. I actually heard of a whole game where someone played where they played deep ones. Well, that I could see, you know, like a hybrid one. No, no, no. Like no. Full deep ones? Full deep ones. Huh. Interesting. Well, we're getting a little off topic. Yeah. Um, other things is, especially if we're meeting new gamers, you might meet them in neutral territory, like a game store and run a game there. Comic shop. Yeah, comic. Well, if the comic shop has space. Um, or a at, Denny's. A, yeah, not at a Den- Denny's. That's kind of rude and kind of embarrassing if you're... <laughs> um, we used to do it all the time. I know. We, we were all dumb. Um, well, we were kids. Yeah. So yeah, um, that that's my basic advice. Look for grad students. Look for people with games that you think would be good filters that kind of support the play styles that you want. Um, and go through friends, friends of friends. Um, you like you know, Michael mentioned his friends aren't into gaming. Well, ask your friends if they know anybody who's into gaming. Uh, social network. Um, and then you kind of have to take. You kind of have to be a little more social extroverted. Than most gamers are. A a little, yeah, a little more uh, assertive. Well, uh, not introverted. Not necessarily assertive, but more extroverted. You have to be extroverted. Like, at least go out there, hello, I am polite person, man. <laughs> well, uh, hi, Danny. Yeah, and be willing to take risks. Um, you know, not, not all of them are going to work out. Right. So that's that's all I can really say. Unless you have anything. Yeah, that's pretty much yeah. it. Well, well, I'm sure we'll, there will be some comments and feedback, and we'll talk more about this in future episodes. So anyways... Uh, the second letter um, is from Matthew. Uh, somewhere in your last episode, you said we should send in emails regarding stories and whatnot, of course. Here are a couple. Well, here's one related to the topic and uh, also to Tom's aside. Just for people, he has a long thing about his own cyst. Um, and we're not gonna, I'm not gonna read it because I think, I think uh, RPPR had we're a one, cyst out. We, yeah, we had a one cyst maximum. <laughs> and I claim that. Something against you, Matt. You're fine. I just. It's just. My cyst is already our quota for cysts. Yeah, we're, we're, we're fine. Um, as for games that get horribly broken a few sessions in, uh, I think I've talked to you about a friend of mine whose character sort of destroyed any challenge I had in games. In my Mutants and Masterminds game, his character had been putting more and more ranks into teleportation. I wasn't quite sure why he was doing that as his teleportation powers had long since extended past the diameter of the earth i finally came to the realization of why he was doing it when i told the players that a reoccurring villain would be coming back in the next session to which he said well he was just going to end the fight by teleporting the guy three miles from the surface of the earth i was a bit miffed to that i spent some time playing up the guy to as a considerable challenge and now the player had fairly had a fairly unquestionable way to just win the fight. I had to give my feelings on that, and he avoided doing that, leading to a more uh, to a longer, more interesting encounter. It hadn't stopped them from putting more ranks into teleportation to eventually grab that guy and warp into space on the next encounter, though. So, yeah, yeah, that again, that's the challenge of superhero fights. Uh, it's really fucking hard to to balance that. You really have to do it on a case by case basis, or start breaking out the cosmic blah blah blah. You know, like I am Wolverine the with mystical silver MacGuffin. surfer powers. So fuck you, I can regenerate, and I'm a silver surfer. So um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, then we have another, uh, finally, one letter from uh, Richard. Um, dear Ross, uh, hi there. My Richard is my name is Richard. I live in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, Canada. It's a vaguely shaped, uh, small, vaguely lobster-shaped province with a rich history of British and French conflict, piracy, and secretly aiding America in its fight for independence at one point. Oh, and it was also known for smelly Nova Scotian hookers. I suppose be- being a port town automatically remain means cheap and unclean whores. Uh, thanks for being cool about me sending you book. He sent us a book, a uh, small indie RPG on slasher films, um, or like an RPG about being in a slasher film. Caleb's looking it through and he's probably going to run it at some point. We'll put a, uh, an actual play of it when we get around to it. Uh, Give I, you some props. Yes. Uh, so I think you will enjoy it, but since you and your listeners, myself included, are horror fans and it's a wee tiny book should be provided a quick read. Blah, blah, blah. Um, Wow, it's kind of like sending a, a letter to Santa, except you know you're real and you don't sneak into Kit's house. At least I bleeding well hope you don't. No, I do not, for the record. So that that was no, not on and not on uh, odd numbered years. No, not not at all, Tom. I, I'm saying I don't. Oh, okay. Even numbered years. <laughs> well, that's that, that that's you. Uh, I know you're a writer as well, and I was wondering how does one go about becoming a writer? I had an aspirations when I was younger, and even pinned a handful of short stories as well as ugh, hate to admit it, horribly bad poetry. Circumstances in life had me quit writing for a very long time, but now I'm wondering if I shouldn't attempt to take this pin up once again. Is it a matter of knowing the right people or having connections? I know. No, well, no. Well, I mean, if you... It might help you get them published. I mean, yeah, if you're best friends to Paris Hilton and you can write a dirty tell-all book, then yeah, sure, but otherwise... Uh, is it dumb luck or sheer talent? Well, it's a little bit of both. Uh, you'll probably wonder what I want in return this book. The answer is nothing. You don't need to give me anything. Um, Good, because that's what Ross normally gives. Yeah, well, your shout-out, so... Ah. Uh, this is your shout out, Richard. Anyways, uh, inside uh, letters to Tom and Cody, uh, I, I did deliver them, so uh, Cody may uh, email you back at some point. Um, keep up the awesome podcast; it is one of the best on the internet. Uh, yours faithfully, Richard. Um, anyways, about writing, writing. Well, uh, you you can be a writer just when you write. Now, of course, you probably mean professional writer. Well, you're a professional writer when you get paid to write. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's all the distinction is there. Um, now the main the main thing in writing is that it is uh, I mentioned this in a little email I sent to him. It's it, it's a war of attrition more than anything else. You in order to be a writer, one must write, and in order to write, you you have to sit there at that fucking keyboard, or, and, or write whatever, whatever your medium is. Yeah, yeah, and write, and that is a long and tedious process. And then the other second thing is rewriting. You have to fucking revise your work. And thing is, most people I know who want to write say they want to write. Never have the 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 obsession to keep doing it. You know the 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 focus. The like, I'm just gonna fucking finish this shit. I'm gonna keep doing at it and keep hammering away at it till it's done. And that that takes that takes some effort and that takes and some time. And uh, so for me, that that was the main thing is I, I started writing and I just kept doing Did, it and kept it up. Um, so that that that's the main thing. And being writing is revision. Yeah. You have to be. Yeah. And your parents had some experience on it too. Well, I mean, I well that had no. nothing to do with me being a writer. I mean, Strader's yeah. not a writer. No. So um, they've been helpful when revising, but so have been so have other people have been. It was you know my they certainly didn't want me to write there. They just said like go write role playing games. They, they yeah. yeah. Yes, father, yeah. I shall. Yes, after I clean the chimney and <laughs> anyways. Um, 
for writing, you, aside from writing revising, it's a long term thing. You have to you have to be willing to do it. And two, you cannot be precious about criticism. You have to get criticism, and you can't be like, oh my god, somebody's done that. You can't you can't be the the person who wrote my immortal. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. You can't be the guy like, oh my god, fuck you for criticizing me. I'm perfect, beautiful snowflake. Well, well, eh. actually, I, I think what I most loved about her response is she says, and look, he says, and look, I'm looking for it's like. It's like looking for all those people that gave me. That I'm looking for constructive criticism, which I think she was looking for. No criticism, right? Um, when someone when someone just gently tells her, uh, "You're not that good." I'm- I know in the creative writing classes, the workshops I took, I was always the one who was always the most blunt and like uh, uh, about. I wasn't an asshole about it, but like, oh, this has a weak protagonist, or this has bad di- or this dialogue doesn't work for me, or something like that. And you know, so everybody else was very much more careful about you know saying being very polite about it and you can't be totally totally polite or precious about it um so that so that's all writing in terms of actually generating material now in terms of getting published that's you know about more about determination and that there is a there is a degree of knowing the right people and connections for me it was going to actually being at gen con and approaching shane ivy the publisher and actually pitching them ideas and uh that's the main thing you do is you have to be networking yeah well and by networking i mean just going out there and contacting people like hey i'd like to work for you and i've gotten rejected plenty of times i mean i've sent out tons of like hey i'd like to write for you guys and i never hear back from them um, there have been once or twice where I did hear back from them and be like, oh, uh, there, there was actually one time where one publisher was like, oh, yeah, uh, why don't you write this for us as a test to see if you're worthy or not? So I did. It's like, uh, revise it and do another one. And like, you haven't offered me any money yet. So, no. That's I see what you're doing. Yeah, here. yeah, exactly. Um, so it was a really weird situation with that. But. Uh, so I just kept plugging, literally it's determination and, you know, there, there obviously is something about talent. Like you have to be observational. You have to have something worth saying. And, and that, that's, the, but that's a little more advanced. If you, you first have to be willing to write, revise and take honest criticism, you know, don't separate yourself. From of, don't work. be afraid of rejection. Uh, well, you just have to keep plugging away at it and yeah, sooner or later you'll get it. And, um, yeah, for me, I just can't imagine not doing it. I've always had things I've wanted to say, and it's just never occurred to me not to do It's never occurred to me not to do this. I don't know. I, I would Even if I was a Wall Street broker or whatever, I'd probably be doing this on my spare time. Yeah. So um, I just, you know, have an, I have a need to tell stories and that kind of thing. So I don't know. Um, so I know that sounds, that's probably very generic writer advice, but that's all I can really say. Uh, there is good news, too, is that you don't, in terms of getting published, um, the more I read about ebooks and that kind of thing, uh, the better it looks. Self-publishing, I don't think, has the same s- stigma it used to have. I think a lot of people are doing, you know, there's Amanda Hawking, who, have you heard of her, Tom? Mm. Uh, romance novelist, kind of Twilight, vampire-ish kind of things. Um, I don't know about the quality of them. I didn't read it, but she self-published on the Kindle, for the Kindle on Amazon and uh, Smashwords, I think. And she sold literally hundreds of thousands of copies, like probably over 500,000 copies now. Now, at a dollar a piece. Now, a lot of that, a dollar a piece, eh, yeah, but well. Done 500,000 times. Yeah, she's made millions. Uh, and she's already, she's been signed with a big publisher. So she went from self-publishing to published, published. So 
um, yeah, you don't have to worry about that shit anymore. So, like, self-publish. If you want to write, like, write a fucking novel and put it on Kindle. At least then somebody, you will get contact with the market and readers who will not, are not, who don't know you, don't give a fuck about you and will tell you the truth. They're like, oh man, this shit is awesome. We're like, what the fuck were you thinking? You know yeah. what I mean? You should and, be put in a gas chamber for this. <laughs> a little extreme, but not the worst. Yeah, that's the most extreme review I've ever read. Um, so go forth and self-publish, if nothing else. Because literally there's no value. It, it, I mean, the whole idea of querying agents, that kind of thing, is fucking ridiculous in this day and age. Um, for Especially for novelists. I mean, you can always get picked up by a publishing company later on or an, a literary agent later on but you know you might as well it's better than waiting here mm-hmm. so um yeah and uh richard tufts gave a letter to me too yes well richard yes i just said well i said that i tried to left off his last name there but, oh sorry yeah anyways go on anyway uh have he wrote dear tom hey buds how are you staying away from gun raping people in game i hope so unless the gm's a dick well that happened once yeah I'm not saying I wasn't proud of it, but, you know, there it is. Well, I was horrified. No doubt Ross has let you peek at the letter I gave him, which gives you a rundown of where I come from and such. If he hasn't, call him a dickface and make him read it to you. Yeah, that's right. Don't even read it yourself. He should have also shown you the game I gave him, which I know should should pique your interest, being a horror fan and the like. Should Ross not have time to run a game of it or be uninterested, you should try your hand at it. It's perfect for one-shots and is very simple. That aside, I came across RPPR when looking for Lovecraftian audio drama and found the AB3 story involving Call of Cthulhu, a poster of Billy Ray Cyrus, and a mother who would scream horribly. Memories. The achy-breaky mythos. I thought that you yourself were El Disgusto, and therefore I immediately thought when I heard the first podcast, oh, that's that asshole guy who crapped himself. Glad to see that wasn't the case, at least not literally. (laughs) I'm a huge fan of your letters, and if I remember correctly, you are in charge of writing RPPR skits, which I also love. The Flame Wars especially. I think I said that before. I've also noticed that you did a very damn good impression of Dr. Girlfriend at one point. Have you taken any acting or drama courses? When you talk about Aaron, you describe him, describe him as being reluctant to kill player characters. I find I am too a little. Any advice on how to let, let the hammer fall, so to speak? Take care. I hope to hear back from you soon. Yours sincerely, Richard. P.S. From the photos I've seen of you, you kind of look like a young Robert Englund. I think this is awesome. Well, I mean, I don't like, as I said before, I'm a gorgeous snowflake. I will be, and I'm... Sure, Tom. Yeah. Just Tom. Well, for the first question, uh, did I take any acting or drama courses? No, I did not. The mere, uh, the mere thought of going in front of a, an audience with something just fills me with such cosmic dread that I dare not do it. I took a acting workshop when I was a kid. I don't. Know, I, it lasted a few weeks. Uh, I've also uh, done teen court and public speaking classes, and I taught English. Yeah, this isn't about you, Ross. Um, okay. But no, I, I, uh, I of course in high in college I had to take a public speaking course too, and I'm glad I took the course because let me realize I should not be doing this. <laughs> oh. I mean, there were a couple. Of, I mean, most of the people in the course were. I mean, actually, most of them did worse than I did. Yeah. There's, uh, and, you know, they, you know, they, they can barely form words. Then there are like three people in the class that like, these people are born to do this. They walk in, they walk in in suits and you know, yeah. they have PowerPoint slides 
And, Fucking PowerPoint. And, you know, they, you tell they've rehearsed this like five times. They know every word. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> Seriously. Fuck you. How Aww. dare you be good at this? Poor Tom. Feeling but insecure. This I can do. Speaking into a microphone, only looking at Ross's face. Yeah. This I can do. See, I, I don't look at Tom when I'm doing this. Yeah. Which is sad. I kind of would love to do actual stand-up comedy, but I would get the same thing happening. Aw, Tom, you can do anything you set your heart to. Yeah, I know. Just Except uh, playing in the NBA. You're not... No, ever. no. That's, uh, <laughs> right, I think we can safely scratch that right off the list there, Ross. But or anyway, the NFL. Anyway, or as to advice on, how to or advice on how to kill player characters. I couldn't either. Really, I think the only thing to do here is just... Be willing to let the dice fall where they may. Yeah. And if it results in a player's death, just that's what the dice said. Yeah. The thing is, don't you know? Don't make them take it personally. Which, yeah. You. I mean, Richard, you're gonna know your group better than we do. And if your group's that insecure or, or you know neurotic about that stuff, then yeah, I mean, that's gonna suck because they're gonna like, oh my god, I can't like if it, yeah, like if it's uh, like the like that one tracked comic book the jack chick book where the her player dies and she kills herself yeah well for i for i first of all i think you should have a you need to get rid of that person anyway but no black leaf no. oh yeah. jack chick is there anything you can't make glorious have you seen this black exploitation chick uh, track? I, yes i have that one is great yes it's it fucking is. awesome there's like not as good as that parody one some did of like a cthulhu yeah, yeah. Man, no, the, the authentic thing that you that yeah. you got to get the authenticity. Yeah, anyway. the, the whole massively black and white view of the world. <laughs> crazy, <Literally>. crazy. <laughs> oh anyway, um, but no, really, it's that. That's just, just the simple thing: is don't seek to kill your players. It's I think the is just don't be afraid to do it. Just if the die, if you know, if someone, if someone, someone you're fighting rolls an awesome critical hit, which kills a player. It was that player's time to die, <laughs> and also in a lot of games, that's not that's not even that doesn't even have to be permanent. Yeah, depending on what you're playing, right? Resurrection spells, or you're in eclipse phase. Yeah, uh, and it's like oh oh, poop. or paranoia where you have clones. Uh, yeah, but if even if it's a game where the death is permanent, that can actually add to the story. Just you know that you can all the players can talk back. Like, Do you remember that case where we lost Billy? Like that was weird, man. Yeah, another thing, you know, personally, I'm reluctant to kill. It's hard for me to player kill uh, kill player characters if it's at a bad time in real time. Like, in the sense, like, we're one hour into a four-hour game and, you know, somebody stepped on a landmine or something like or did something stupid. I don't want to kill them because then they're, they're out the rest of the game. I feel like I'm an asshole for doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, uh, if it's a finale, then it's fucking go time and it's time to die. But, you know, otherwise, it's... I yeah, or it's like uh, I think it was Professor Feelgood from uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Like, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so because then you know you, that player doesn't have to wait long in order to you know jump back into the. Yeah, next I remember like the like uh, I'm not gonna not gonna go into much detail, but you know the big finale game for, you know the, for this section the first section of your wild talents. Yeah, there was a lot of just nerve-wracking just you know people watching like just watching dice fl fall that one actually i was i was willing to kill right off the bat but i just knew that the fight the way it was well, it was the right time to do it yeah yeah 
And it, uh, well, I also knew it's going to be very unlikely to kill any player characters that very early on because just of the way it was set up between the the heroes and the villains. Um, mm-hmm. In that in that particular case, I just felt it was extremely unlikely that the the villains would be able to off one of you guys right off the bat. And I was right. I mean, it was. I mean, yeah, there, it, I mean, Aaron, of course, did his best, but you know. <laughs> well, you know, as your yeah, it's timing's important. Yeah. You know, if you're just starting off a game session or a campaign, that might not be the best time to break out the A-10 Thunderbolt airstrike. <laughs> By yeah. the way, I believe I already talked about that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, in terms of that, I would, I, I would, st- of course, one thing is also just getting used to it. Like, it always feels weird the first time you do it. Like, <laughs> so many Like things. Aaron. Yeah. You know. Actually, I was proud of Aaron. He actually kind of felt a little bit of pride with that. Yeah. Because it was a perfectly legitimate death. So, Richard, I would first start off easy by running, like, a one-shot game in a highly lethal uh, uh, RPG, like Call of Cthulhu or something like that, and just fucking be a vicious asshole and just kill some players. I was just like, in fact, actually, you open I, a door, I, you I, die. It's like, make that kind of one of the selling points of the game. Yeah. The dude, like, you know, like... You're gonna fucking die. Yeah, like, I got a game coming up, you know, that's kind of a monsters loose in las vegas type thing yeah where uh, i've actually created 30 npcs right that we or 30 have... pcs that the players will choose from randomly right so the idea is that we would respawn once we die so you you built it into the game so there's easy you can easily justify killing someone in the first five minutes like i open the red door you're dead like, landmine it's like oh it's claymore yeah you're dead oh also claymores can be used as currency <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah, yeah. And that's with the wild talents game too uh um, but yeah i think the most is just don't t- you know? Don't make sure they don't take it personally, and don't make that your overriding goal. Yeah. But if a player dies in a game, it happens. Yeah, it does. It's just one of the. It's just shit happens. Um, kind of like in real life, actually. Yeah. Uh, which all good science fiction should be based on the current science of the real world, and thus we bring it full circle. And scene. Oh, except for your last anecdote, you want to talk about Aaron? Oh yes, yes. Uh, this one is this one is actually from the Wild Talents game. Yeah, here's a new Aaron's uh, playing. Uh, what's his name now again? Uh, Steel Centurion. Steel Centurion, and I was actually gone one session. I had I had shit to do, but so apparently I missed some important things that session that Aaron did, which. Um, well, to set it up, um, Aaron and Jason's character were exploring a secret superhero base. Uh, that was heavily trapped, and they were trying to work together to bypass all the traps so they get into the base and get vital information that they needed. Because um, the the superhero himself had disappeared long ago and had this, you know, obviously computer with all kinds of crime files and all this other stuff. And so they're bypassing the traps and everything. And they get to a one of them point. Um, uh, they know Jason has a key that he got. Um, that will open up, you know, that they don't know what it'll open up, but they know it's for this base. And then they get a call. Oh, God, the rest of the players' characters were dealing with this crazy supervillain on the other side of town. Uh, Jason decides he's going to teleport to them and help them because his character can do that, but he can't take Aaron with him. And Aaron... Uh, believes that this it's extremely urgent that they get to this inside this base as soon as possible. Technology. Uh, well, uh, actually, because of the time, he got the information from a time travel. Like, somebody from the future gave them the address of this base. So Aaron believes, like, holy shit, we really need to get in here now. A time traveler gave me this information. I need to get in here. So Aaron has x-ray vision. He saw where the key was on Jason's character's 
you know, pants. Person, his person. Yeah, his person. So he just, and he has, a, you know, robot strength because, you know, Iron Man type suit. So he just rips it off Jason's character's clothes, just grabs it, and then just jumps down the tunnel to finish on. And Jason's like, fuck. And then he teleports away because he has to go help the others. Superhero shit. Yeah. And uh, so Jason's incredibly pissed because what Aaron doesn't know that Jason does know is that this is uh, Jason's character's uh, father was also a superhero. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so <laughs> uh, Tom didn't put his phone on silent. Anyways. Um, I'm a beast. So Aaron uh, goes in there hoping to unlock the last door and get into the base as soon as possible to get the information he believes is of life and death importance. However, there's one last trap in the before the door and it's a magical trap and Aaron's character is technological. Now Jason happens to be a magical character could have disarmed the trap easily, but Aaron isn't. And Aaron's like, Oh shit, I'm fucked. But Aaron, Jason had a magical imp, an imp from hell to spy on Aaron to see what was going on. And the imp is of course an independent character, an NPC. So I'm like, all right, I'll fuck with Aaron. Uh, the imp appears. He was invisible, but now he's visible. And he's like, Hey, I can give you away there. Uh, we'll, I'll take your soul down to hell and take you to this guy called the forger. The forger can tell you how to bypass the trap. Um, he'll get, he'll want a favor from you, but it won't be your soul. You'll just owe this guy a favor. And then, uh, yeah, I'll take you right back. And Aaron's like, okay. Yeah. You see where the, the drama builds up yeah. and the conflict. Right. And so Aaron goes down to hell. And the forge, and he has to kill a demon in order to rescue the, get the forger out, you know, or from being tormented, so he can talk to him. Um, and he talks to the forger. Forger like, all right, you owe me a favor, and uh, uh, then tells him how to bypass the trap. But before Aaron leaves hell, you know, he hears a woman screaming. Go on. <laughs> and he sees that there's Aaron. this woman is being tortured, and he's like, well, I rescue her, and. Says- now I would like to uh, bring in exactly my problem here. Yeah. If someone's screaming and being tormented in hell, <laughs> they're there for a reason. Yeah. Uh, but Aaron just sees screaming woman. Yeah, so he rescues her and brings takes her out of hell. And uh, then uh, he gets back to his own body. The imp is true to his word. He takes him back to his own body. Uh, and Aaron bypasses the magical trap and gets in the base and gets information. And of course, Jason's incredibly pissed at him. Uh, good drama. Yeah, yeah, good drama. And that was a big thing. But uh, Aaron then finds out later that, you know, the woman is risen up as a revenant, an undead killer going to get revenge on the, the man who killed her. Although she's not too clear on yeah. who that is. Well, no. Well, Aaron isn't. Aaron yeah. knows. The woman knows. The woman, woman is perfect memory. But Aaron never thought to ask her what her name was. He still doesn't know what her name is. So he doesn't know where the hell she is or who she's going to try and kill. Or if she's already killed someone. Um, now, of course, she also finds out that woman was in hell for killing her own children because uh, of a bad love affair and everything. So I had this whole backstory set up. But, you know, Aaron's like, eh, whatever. Yeah. And so the forger breaks out of hell, too, because Aaron killed the demon that was torturing. Which is also in charge of watching him. Yeah. So now there's another. There's two uh, souls escape from hell on Earth now because of Aaron. Yeah. And I don't know where this came from. But, you know, so when my character comes back. Yeah. From whatever he was like doing some horrible black, you know, oh, uh, what is he it? He was beating up protesters Thund- for yeah, the government. Thunderbolts, like some evil, some horrible thund- government thunderbolt team. Right. He was beating up protesters in Seattle. That's mm-hmm. what he was doing. 
and I get I, I'll get back to my tower. The first thing I notice, there's a guy with a bag over his head tied up to a chair in my tower. Right, that's a super villain that Jason left to deal with. So, mm-hmm. and apparently is a uh, is a psychic that can mentally possess people. Yeah. So uh, first thing I come in like, why is there a person tied up in my tower? Who is this person? Like, so, and Jason's like, relax. It's just someone I found. He's a, you know, he's a. Oh, he's a super psychic. Like. Why is he here? What have you done? <laughs> and then Aaron comes back. Yeah. And so I'm like, and for some reason Aaron Aaron entrusts his secret to me. Yeah. I'm like what you know like at first it's just you know okay, what did you do? <laughs> I, I I can tell you did something here. And then he tells me like why did you break souls out of hell? <laughs> first of all, why are you no no no. No, I don't want to know why you were in hell. Just tell me why you brought souls out. And eventually, you know, this whole scene leads to, I finally, like, okay, you and me, we're going to go do, we're going to go get a cheeseburger and something, and then you're going to tell me everything that happened here. And so we're sitting there, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'm you know, good cheeseburger, glad you have it, bacon on it, good cheese, I like yellow thing. Now perhaps you can tell me why there are souls out of hell that you are responsible for. <laughs> and while we are sitting there, the forger goes into the play, to the restaurant where we are. Yeah, he escaped from hell, too. So he's there like, I mean, it's like, hi, you're one of the escaped souls from hell. That's great. Yeah. And this whole time, like, Aaron, give him your cheeseburger. Seriously, I'm actually very angry right now. <laughs> but just this whole thing of me, like, I'm gone for, I'm gone for three days to beat up protesters for the sake of my government so I don't go to prison. You're going to hell getting souls out. No, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to deal with this. I have a son. I, I have a son that hates me. I, I, have, I have to, I do do dirty work for the government. I am so not dealing with this right now. It was, but it was like really good role playing all sides. Cause Aaron's like, yeah, like I made a mistake. I was like, yes, you did. Yes, you did. Uh, <laughs> the thing is, to be fair, you guys, the other players, when uh, Aaron in the session, you missed the Aaron's, totally egged Aaron on when he was like well of course they did Caleb in particular is like Aaron had stolen the key from Jason and they got to this last area and then I explained the magical trap to him and then the M made the offer to him and then Aaron was like "Uh, I don't think so and Caleb's like why why are you stopping now you have just barreled on going on impulse from impulse now you you stop and like the other players I was like come on Aaron you the thing is the role playing was brilliant on all sides it really was yeah I mean, Aaron was doing really too, just because all like everything he was saying was just him admitting to guilt. But yeah, it's like yes, it was my fault. But yeah, and like I, I kept going, no, 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 no. You broke the souls out of hell. Yeah, you. <laughs> well, it'll be fun to see how that, yeah, how you guys deal with that mm-hmm. in the future. But it was, I think, the most fun was just. So this is one of the souls that escaped from hell, and he's here. Yeah. Why is he here? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, of course, we'll eventually have that. We did record that game. We'll have it online eventually. Yeah, yeah in 2062. In 2060 and, well, 2012, end of the world. You know, yeah. keep up, Tom. Um, all the games. Well, we- I think we might be able to survive the wasteland afterwards. Well, yeah. As horrible mutants. Yeah, of course. Uh, so, uh, but if we do yeah. continue the show after 2012, it's formats can might be a little different. Yeah. And, and instead of us, you know, c- talking, it might just be us 
snarling and grunting in a primitive fashion and eating corpses. Right. Or like the quiz show from Mitchell and Webb, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, yeah. That's a good, a very funny clip. Very, very, very funny. Indeed. Tragic. Uh, anyway, so uh, that has been, uh, this has been role playing public radio, RPVR episode 58, the games of tomorrow. We're getting close to 60. Yes. Yeah. That's, we that's are. awesome. Maybe by the end of 2012, we'll be up to 60 because you're so, because I have to schedule everything now. Well, it's your your convenience. Yeah, well, well it's at your convenience too, Tom. You can take the initiative. But we don't. We do it over here. I know, but you can say, hey, let's record an episode. I'm available. Would that blow your mind if I did that? It would. It would be so awesome. So. All right, Ross. I might just take you up on that. Oh, shit. Glove has been thrown down. It's on like Donkey Kong, but you're gonna have to admit. You're, but you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to admit it on on the show that I just that I did that. Yeah, no, I, I'm totally proudly. Doing it. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. All right, we have a thing. Okay, <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. All right. Step into the rhythm of the groove. You can lose it. We can prove it if we want to. We can prove it if we want The future's in the future It's come down here upon us What you thought was science fiction Is living among us Dr. Jekyll is Mr. Hyde It's gone horribly
Chainsaw.